Our text this morning is uh, the Old Testament reading in Isaiah 61. I'm going to take you back to what uh, looks like uh, part of verse 1 and verse 2. So hang on with that. It says, um, he, was, uh, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have, um, as I suppose you are, uh, a lot of you are aware, I have th these two older kids who, you know, they live in Louisiana. They're far away. I have a couple teenagers at home, too, but the two that live in Louisiana, uh, you know, they were little once. And uh, a long time ago, I lived on the, the Coast Guard base at my, in Miami uh, in the housing that they had for, uh, for military people there. And um, when we lived there, I always warned my kids, because they were pretty little back then, that they should always wear shoes when they go outside. Now, I mean, they never really took my word for that. <laughs> so I don't know what it is with kids. I mean, you know, they're, sometimes they're just difficult. But uh, the, the reason I told them to do that is because the, the, the ground outside was kind of rough. It's, it's, uh, it's not in Miami proper. It's kind of out in the, in the woods a little bit. And uh, so the, the ground there was uh, rough. Uh, there was uh, a lot of tree root hanging around on the surface that they could mangle their toes on, and there were uh, there was gravel and uh, bugs that bite, and you know some of them on the ground, some of them nasty. I mean, I saw a few scorpions out there too, and there were snakes, and some of them were upsetting. Um, but you know. Kids being kids, they didn't listen very good, and they had to experiment. And so I remember my daughter going out one day, and she was out there, I don't know, 15 seconds, and she came back in because her feet were torn up because she had tripped over some tree roots. Uh, and she thought I was going to croak her on the spot, and I did think about it for maybe a few seconds. But still i i uh, took her in the bathroom and cleaned up her injuries and bandaged up a little thing that was a little more than needed to be maybe but uh, as, as much as they were warned uh, and as much as they ignored me uh, i still it's hard for me to say this i still love them <laughs> and uh and and i took care of them uh, you know like that was true uh, now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Israel is kind of like that with Isaiah. <laughs> Those people of God were hearing Isaiah. Um, they would eventually want to hear him um, with words from God. Now, see, when Isaiah first came to them, uh, if you go back to chapter 6, God told Isaiah to go and speak his words to them. Uh, his main audience were the kings of Judah. And they didn't like him very much because he said negative things and they got upset. Uh, so they stopped listening to him. Uh, and Isaiah was told, they're not going to listen to you. The, God told him that. They're not going to listen to you, but speak anyway. 
So when they got into exile in Babylon, they said, well, uh, I think that Isaiah guy was talking to us about stuff and he wrote all that junk down. So let's go see what he said, because maybe there's some help to be had. And so you get Isaiah. And they were exiled because they didn't listen, because of sin, because of corruption, because uh, oppression, manipulation of God's people. Uh, they were a mess. And, and they were warned repeatedly by Isaiah and other prophets that, that this is not going to go well. And then they ended up in exile. They had no way out. Uh, and they mourned their foolishness as they were sitting there in Babylon. Their, their short-sighted distance from God's things caused them an awful lot of trouble. Uh, and and there were, they were in exile for 70 years. So, you know, they lost a whole generation while they were there. And they mourned that as well. Uh, Isaiah uh, mentions weakness and faint spirit, which, of course, you would have to suppose they were feeling being in Babylon and being captive and being oppressed and otherwise uh, unwilling. Uh, anyone could imagine that that was difficult and that it would make you feel kind of stupid and foolish. And of course they did. Uh, on the other hand, they got what they deserved because they were warned and they did what they did. But for some reason, God loves them. So he gives them this reading, among other things that Isaiah said, that there was good news that was close at hand. Uh, he, he was going to bind them up very much like I did my daughter uh, after her disobedience, because as it turns out, God loves them, loves you still. Even knowing all that about them and about you. And we are not really different from them in any real way. Uh, in many ways, we're the same. Uh, our, our, uh, our sins look different, I suppose, because the times are different. But they're not really. As Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun, so we're kind of the same. We, as it turns out, sitting here today, are God's people. And we are still sinners. Maybe you've noticed that that's true. We are still faint-hearted about the things God calls for us to do as his people. As, you know, we look at the things that lie in front of us, and they're difficult sometimes, and uh, distracted by other things sometimes we are, and, and, and by the obvious notion that sacrifice and service is hard for everybody, there's, it's difficult for us to be his people. And being bound to sin ends the same way for us as it did for them. Uh, there's death and there's hellfire. That's the wages of sin. That's what's due. And there is much to mourn. As it turns out, uh, Isaiah talks about mourning a lot here in this passage so that people can understand that God is aware of it. God is aware of your mourning. We know too many that have died. There's an awful lot of that junk in the news these days. And we see our own mortality coming closer all the time. Sometimes we get sick ourselves and or we watch someone else and we realize that this is coming. The wages of sin is not different for us. We see sin. We see sin tear apart our lives and the lives of the people that we care about. Even though we care about them, we still cause them trouble. It's what we do. We mourn over our own mistakes and our self-established disasters in our lives or the things that we do wrong. None of us 
sees any good way to do all that is commanded. It's, it's too hard for us. Impossible, really. Jesus says it's impossible. You can't do it without him. So if, uh, that being true, what else should there be but mourning? Mourning as in, that's what happens when people die. People are upset and concerned and weeping. And, and, and there, there should be an expectation of judgment in our behavior and in the way that we act in the world. And, and we're reminded here again that he is near to us. He's coming. This Advent thing is exactly that. He, he's coming. Uh, and, and we need to pay attention to that. And we need to examine ourselves. And here we are told that we are still sinners and that we yet mourn. Now, Jesus quoted the, these first couple verses once upon a time. He sat down in the synagogue on the Sabbath in Nazareth in his hometown after he'd been wandering a bit uh, uh, in his mission. And he read these words to them. And he said, today these are fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, and what he was saying to them, they understood rightly to mean that he himself was claiming to be Messiah, who they had been waiting for, for a long, long time. And they didn't believe him. And they tried to throw him off a cliff. Uh, it didn't work, though. It turns out he had things to do. Uh, he, he said these words because he was about to fulfill these words. And, and these verses, he, he fulfilled every one of them. Uh, at times, he fulfilled uh, with his words, his teachings, his things that he spoke to people as difficult as they might be. He comforted them with his own compassion. And also in compassion at other times, he was doing miraculous things to comfort people. Both of those things happened in fulfillment of these very things. Most of us uh, have a, a pretty serious knowledge of his most important acts fulfilling the things that Isaiah said, that being his submission to his Father's will to save you from your captivity. The captivity for you is the same as it was for them. Uh, it is a result of sin and death that comes from the constant sinfulness, from the penalties of sin and death and condemnation he has rescued you. which is a difficulty for us to realize that we needed that rescue, that we cannot do what we are commanded, that we are suffering with the effects of sin. He has come to save you. He has come close uh, in this world, in the flesh, and went to a cross to save you, to free you from your captivity. And you are now, as you sit here right now, free. The wages of sin is no longer yours. The condemnation that goes with it has been taken from you. Jesus experienced those things himself in your behalf. Now these words of promise have been fulfilled. Soon, though, he will come again in judgment. He says, for you, there are days of rescue. 
It's just not true for everyone because everyone doesn't love Jesus and everybody isn't looking forward to him coming. A lot of people say, no, I'm not concerned about that at all. I don't think he's coming. I don't care about that. I don't even know if there was a Jesus. That's the way most of the world is. But for you, this is rescue. Jesus was anointed. It talks about being anointed here. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but if you say Messiah, that's the word that's sitting there saying anointed. Messiah means the anointed one. Uh, if you go over to Greek, it mean, uh, Christ means the anointed one. That's who he is. He was anointed like all kings and all prophets and all high priests. He was anointed so that we would know openly who he was. To bring this promise to you and prove its perfect truth by that death on the cross and his resurrection to life. He is the son of the living God. He has died for you. He has taken away all your sin and he has risen from the dead to prove it all is so. He himself will come again to show his beloved children. <laughs> you know, we, we got a little a peek at that today. Leonardo got baptized, which uh, marks him with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, their name is upon him. He is God's child, just like you are. It's a wonderful thing to be known to be that because he means you when he says beloved child. He means you and all his own. That's what he's talking about. And his own, uh, he has favored and he intends to favor you when he comes again. He intends that that, that favor would come beyond anybody's understanding, certainly undeserved, being sinners and do death and condemnation, he comes to save you. He's been here already to take all of that burden away. So these will be days of favor when he comes. The judgment will go your way. He's promised it so. He also talks about being days of vengeance. Now, you know, normally, I mean, if you were in Isaiah's time and walking around and he talks about days of vengeance, you're thinking, I got enemies. <laughs> uh, uh, Babylon is my enemy. Assyria is my enemy. Uh, the Arameans are my enemy. And, and, you know, they were surrounded by that all the time. Uh, and, and they were probably thinking that. And there is some truth in that because all of those places were, in fact, destroyed. But... It means something else to you sitting here today because that vengeance is also for you. When he comes, it is also going to be vengeance against all of your eternal enemies. Now, you don't think about them too much. I suppose you probably have people that have caused you trouble in the world and, and those enemies uh, are going to come up with him. But you got to remember God loves them. But he's going to take away all evil from you. There will be no evil in heaven when he comes for you. That will all be gone. Sin's power over you will be ended. There will be no more wages of sin because they are not given to you. And death and mourning and tears and suffering all will be ended. All of that is what he says is coming in the days of favor and vengeance of your God. All of it gone forever in perfection, which is brand new. Truly cause for rejoicing as we started here today saying that uh, uh, and we rejoice with Leonardo in that same way but we also 
we can rejoice for ourselves because when we see that Jesus is going to be here soon at Christmas, it reminds us also that he came to die and to save us and to rescue us from what he is going to do when he comes in judgment. All of that has been taken away. There is nothing left but cause for rejoicing. I, I don't know if you noticed, it was something that sort of stuck out for me when I, when I see this reading. It doesn't say anything about you and me doing anything here except rejoicing and receiving the blessing and being blessed in it. Uh, that uh, is all for us. But it doesn't say anything about you doing anything. Not a word. Uh, you don't cause any of these events to come to pass. It's all accomplished for you, all given to you. Undeserved, mind you, because of who we are, but this all is gift of God. All the blessing, all the lifting up, all the praise, all the righteousness. If you look at that last verse there, uh, at verse 11, it says, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause, remember, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations in you. God is the cause of these gifts being given. Christ's life is the cause of all these gifts being received. The Holy Spirit's inspiration is cause for you to believe these things and to be blessed in them and to become righteous in him and even for your praise to be lifted up and rejoicing. God causes the blessing. God causes the righteousness. God causes the joy. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.